uh, anytime I have had to walk into any room in my life where there's more than two people, I have always feel felt like a little intimidated. Like I always felt everyone else in the room knows what the code is, knows how to behave, knows what to say, and I don't. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we're going to talk about autism and kind of just being neuroatypical. Um, and we're actually talking with Udav today, um, who is talking to us from India. I don't even know, like, what time is it there? It's like <laughs> the middle of the night, right? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So it's nine in the uh, evening right now. And yeah. <laughs> hi, guys. I'm Udav and I'm the villain right now, I guess, because I'm on the show. So thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm Uddhav. I am from Bombay, India, and I am on the autism spectrum. And uh, I, as a, like my day job is working as a writer for a music app and convincing people to subscribe to our music app. And I moonlight as a stand-up comedian. So I am literally the only neurotypical uh, ASD comic on the Mumbai circuit right now. So that's that about me. And yeah, I want to share my experiences of being neurotypical in a country that has next to no mental health facilities. Uh, like I got my start in advertising working as a copywriter. And uh, it's really, like ad agencies are really bad for your mental health. Like it's it's it's, it's like a, generally it's a toxic culture by and large. It's a very patriarchal culture and the idea is like you know uh, the more you grind the less of a life you have the more hours you put in the more committed you are to the craft of it and as someone who's gotten really good at the craft of it I wouldn't say there's a lot of craft to advertising per se it's just like having good ears and understanding what the baseline of society is and just like rallying towards it because uh, I mean uh, like as a person of color, DeAndre, you would have realized that like no, now more brands are pro Black Lives Matter, and they are certainly very vocal. But right. the fact is, they are just vocal right now because that's the pulse of society. That's how they want to be seen. Had they been vocal all along, like since the seventies when the Black Panthers were active, then you would respect them, right? And I guess most most brands can't say yeah. that. They just look at what the pulse of the society is and they will just run with it. Like, uh, right. like tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a shitty sports brand that has Make America Great Again as its tagline. And they really, really rally behind Trump because they know there's a demographic for it and they could just like run with it. They don't even care. I don't even think brands generally have values. They just like stand by whatever is trending right now. And Yeah, same with like the gay, like mm-hmm. all these like yeah, yeah. companies like like bandwagoning onto pride and stuff like that right i think like all brands are like cis heterosexual 11 months of the uh, year and then like when pride month comes in everyone has a rainbow variant of their logo and that's Mm -hmm. the contribution brands have to society so i've been working in in, uh, i got my start in advertising which was honestly speaking a little strange for me personally because uh, i always used to find uh, large groups of people intimidating. I used to find extroverts who are uh, really vocal intimidating and I have always felt left out. Like my school could be basically summarized in like we used to have a physical education classes where they would divide us into teams. And I was the guy nobody wanted mm-hmm. on any team. So like, you know, how literally there's like the last two, three people are the lanky younger people in the class. They are thin, they are underweight. And when they're picking up teams to play with, nobody picks them. So even when I was the last guy alone, they would sometimes be like, I don't want him, you can take him. 
and it was pretty bad so i would basically just sit out and observe people which is kind of a good start for advertising because i literally saw how people communicate with each other how <laughs> they get a sense of belonging and most of advertising is making you feel that if you had this product or if this service in life you would belong more like you would be part of this subculture or you know like you would feel more normal which i have never felt in life to date like so i was really good at that and advertising mm-hmm. is really really uh, strange because as a private introvert person it was always i was always competing with everyone who's got the loudest voice in the room everyone who thinks they just know everything at the back of their hand and i was really alienating but uh, and honestly speaking i didn't enjoy what i did a lot of times i worked on a lot of brands that were really really uh, like they had bad environmental practices and then i had to make them look good <laughs> or they would pretend that they are for a cause and it's just a social media post they are not raising any money for charity so uh, yeah so that's that was a little uh, discon- like disconcerting but right now i work for a music app and uh, i mean that's good because music isn't evil per se like like it's really <laughs> happening yeah <laughs> yeah so that's one good thing and i'm enjoying that a lot more than working at ad agencies and even here for the longest time i've like finished five years in this company and i'm really loved a lot but most of the times uh, any time i have had to walk into any room in my life where there's more than two people i have always feel felt like a little intimidated like i always felt everyone else in the room knows what the code is knows how to behave knows what to say and i don't like i just completely missed out that part like anatomically in my brain there's a part which is about social skills or social intelligence and i always felt that was missing and that's why i felt so odd and uh, that was like really really annoying to me because i always felt something was wrong with me or i felt like you know like i really hate uh, parties like my friends are like hey why don't you come down to a party and i was like no that's not my idea of fun like a small room with loads of people where you have to talk to most people no nope, i'll pass and at uh, like uh, when the covid-19 lockdown hit it got like really really bad for me because i was stuck at home all the time so i started going to therapy and eventually i think i just uh, summed up the courage to ask my therapist ki i think i'm on the spectrum and then she's like oh yeah i think so too and i was like it's been 5 months why didn't why didn't you lead with that <laughs> so she gave me a test and i found out that i'm on the spectrum i scored a 31 which means i have most of the attributes that someone on the spectrum has from 32 onwards on that test if you rank about 32 then you have more of the qualities of someone on the spectrum so yeah what's the what's the max out of i don't remember right now i could look it up i think oh, okay. I, i think it wasn't yeah, like no close worries. to 100 though like it but yeah and even uh, how do i say this like uh, some questions are really bizarre like do you have difficulty this question i remember because i thought this is something i could use in comedy do you have difficulty in playing games with children where you have to pretend and uh, <laughs> and my answer was and a legit i like you know these are all numerical based questions like you have to write one if you feel no and four if you feel yes so uh, i wrote uh, depends on the child <laughs> like if a child is really <laughs> cute or if i if i'm related to them by blood or something then i don't have any difficulty but if that child is annoying if that child is prone to throwing tantrums then i'm like nope i'll pass is the is the is the pretend is being able to pretend more or less indicative of being uh, less because uh, i'll tell you something so one of the things which i find it uh, i think most people on the spectrum find it hard to lie because uh, if you told me uh, like we tend to take things fairly literally 
and we tend to believe in rules quite rigidly like i don't think most people on the spectrum are cheating on their taxes or lying much in a day to day basis because <laughs> they just like that would take more mental effort like so if i fuck up in a relationship or at work i am pretty much honest about it because lying would require more bandwidth for me the way i am wired as a person so i think pretending is something that i don't think people on the spectrum are good at so it seems like you probably feel like you're like you've been able to kind of be more like socially intuitive or like emotionally yeah. intuitive throughout your whole life and do you think that has something to do with your with yeah your i think like one of the things i'm really good at in in my office and for something which i'm adored fairly is that i know when someone's having a fucked up day like like i just know i just like know intuitively if someone needs to be left alone or if someone needs a conversation it just i mean it's just the way people are walking around me i can figure out oh they are walking a little faster than usual either they have a meeting or either they really need help today so uh, i think i'm really good at that like i just like people come to me when they are in crisis or something so yeah that tends to happen i have no idea why per se or when it started or maybe the fact that i am in trouble and most people can't find out because i'm very neutral and have trouble asking for help but i generally tend to know when other people need help yeah which is really interesting because i feel like there's this you know like there's this notion of like iq and eq yeah. right and people associate people on the spectrum as like you know being these savants where you have like you know super high iq yeah. but not like the eq but like it's i feel like your example shows how like it's actually way more nuanced it's, than that that's the thing right i mean i do comedy for a living and honestly speaking that literally should disqualify me but the way we should look at it it's it's a spectrum and one of the reasons why i always had a knackering of an idea like i always felt i might be on the spectrum but i didn't pursue it is because i'm really funny like i can put people at ease i can make them laugh but people on the spectrum aren't supposed to be like that and like i'm really bad at mathematics like i have made a lot of <laughs> i am i have made a lot of grocery store owners very happy by giving them more change and just walking away because i didn't want to do math i was like oh yeah keep the change and like oh yeah i got the change and then they just like are looking at me in surprise no you idiot and so i always uh, the fact is all the clichés that pop up are like uh, uh, you have to be good in math you have to be very uh, good with your iq and other sorts of things and for me i thought like maybe that disqualifies me but even comedy to that extent i really love the fact that honestly speaking comedy does follow a pattern i say something which is the setup and then i say the punchline and then the audience reacts with a laugh so even though i'm technically talking on the stage what people don't realize is that i'm essentially controlling the conversation and uh, for me the dopamine yeah. is always in the control in the fact that i might lead them somewhere here and then they will laugh and uh, that's the thing like it's it's if Oh, like what happens to me like sometimes i do really well and after a show people are like hey can i take a picture with you and i really love that so once uh, that happened to me and and it's a really nice feeling so that happened to me i stepped out of that comedy club and then the couple who took a photo with me they asked me where are you going and i said i'm going to the subway station and then they were like oh we'll walk with you and my immediate response which i shouldn't have acted was like but why like what's the need for this our our social interaction was based in the comedy club it wasn't supposed to be in the real world we are not going to become friends and i was like 
uh, no thanks and they're like why are you going with someone and then uh how do i say this and this is possibly uh, something that has to do with the spectrum it's like literally anytime i'm supposed to walk to a certain place i time myself for some reason and i try to outdo that time or at least stay consistent to it and i was like oh i walk really fast and that annoys me sometimes because people when they walk with me they're like why are you walking really fast and i'm not but i tend to walk fast and not register it and uh, it's it, it was really like bizarre to like all one Sorry for that. You have to edit my mother out. No, you're fine. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so do you do comedy about like the fact that you have autism, or do you just like talk about un- other stuff? I mean, the thing is, I've been doing unintentionally comedy about being on the spectrum. Like, uh, for example, there's like this joke I have, which I didn't realize is such an autism spectrum related joke. But like, uh, my girlfriend gets really mad at me, and she says, "Oh, the you are a disgusting, unreliable." Uh, idiotic human being and my response is like i agree with you but why are you saying that right now <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the fact is it's 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 like you know how uh, uh, if i am in a confrontation or something like i would actually take everything at face value i wouldn't just take it as a blanket mm-hmm. statement and i'm like oh are you being specific to something or is that a general observation so i have lately started talking about my autism and anxiety but like uh, still trying to figure out how to do it because it's still real to me it's been like a couple of months since i found out and a lot of times i am trying to figure out how it affected me re- retroactively like uh, for example uh, i wouldn't get invited to certain parties at work or i couldn't befriend certain people or i just used to alienate a lot of people without meaning to like there have been instances where i have offended someone really really senior in the comedy industry and my intention wasn't obviously that it's just like yeah i was just having a conversation so i don't know how to process all that yet and honestly the thing about comedy is like they say comedy is tragedy plus time so this is still fresh so i need some time to process it but uh, yeah. yeah i think there's this art to not only like there's the there's it sounds like there's this like part of the realization where you have to be like okay how can i figure out how to like not have it negatively impact me and then i feel like after that there's also this side where you're like okay what like it's kind of an art to figure out how to actually use it to your advantage right because i feel like for example you know greta thunberg who is also on the spectrum and like she kind of uses that as a like positive it was like yeah i'm really blunt you know like yeah, yeah exactly like <laughs> right and one of the things which i didn't realize like i don't know why people hate her so much and it's it's usually for the lack of a better word it's like a, a cis heteronormative men who are always shitting on greta thunberg and i'm like she's just she's just a kid yeah like what the fuck like she's, yeah literally she's like <laughs> she's a kid like and she's doing more, a teenager she's doing more than most of us have done in life so i think that's good but like one of the things which people were really really pinpointing at was the fact that she gave a speech where she was really really angry and everyone was like oh it seems rehearsed it seems that she's not that emotional and the fact is it's uh, for someone on the spectrum it's always hard to communicate our emotions like so one of the things uh, one of the things people on the spectrum tend to do is that they actually have physical gestures that help them calm themselves which is could be pacing around which could be pulling their hair or uh, for me personally it's like i tend to rub both my feet together and at least like i have a lot of trouble sleeping so that's what i do like i'm just like rubbing my feet together hoping to like tire myself out so i think one of the reasons why it's easy for me to notice if people are not behaving normally is because i notice 
their physical gestures or actions are possibly different like i just intuit it in a way so like that and uh, yeah uh, i will uh, happily do comedy about it but it's still really fresh for me like one of the things that's really fresh for me is that my anxiety i found out is on the moderate spectrum of anxiety and uh, even though uh, my therapist recommended that i see a doctor because even though i've been working really hard on controlling it i am not able to master it so to speak so i had to be on medication and uh, today is my second day on uh, medication so yeah that's been intense i think this is a good uh segue into a conversation that you brought up in our in sort of in our sort yeah. of pre-emailing which is how it's been kind of difficult for you to navigate like mental health services oh, yeah, in india right yeah that's uh, really really shitty because i think uh, when i wrote to you on email you thought like there is like so the statistic is that for 100 1000 people in india there are 0.34% uh, mental health professional like that's 0.34% i don't know which part of that mental health professional you will get cuz 0.34 is not is not even <laughs> half so that's that's a really terrible mm-hmm. number and mental health is still looked down upon uh, like not mental health but like uh, going to a therapist or talking to a therapist there's a lot of stigma and taboo around it the fact that uh, you aren't mentally sound or like uh, it it it's really that old cliche that like you would be put in a sanatorium or something where they'll give you electrical shocks and then you would come out with a lobotomy or something like bollywood did a really bad job of promoting that cliche that mental health uh, people with mental health issues are suicidal or they really need help to navigate through a normal life so that's uh, been that's something that i can't even fix because it's like you know years of uh, mental images that are built into people's heads that you can't erase like with a single conversation so that's something you deal with and uh, honestly speak, speaking getting help is a very uh, tricky thing because it's also really expensive in india so if you can get help for your mental health uh, you are generally well to do because uh, going to a normal uh, doctor would cost like uh, 200 bucks to 300 bucks which is uh, close to uh, $3 $3.5 but going to a mental health professional could cost three times the amount which i know for you guys must seem cheap mm-hmm. but it's like a lot of money and the thing about a mental health professional is that you just don't go once you have to go every two weeks right. or every week and that's not the kind of money that people have lying around and like one thing i recently discovered that like uh, how do i say this uh, so uh it's like a wide topic and it's not like really <laughs> entertaining but it's like it gives an insight into our culture so all the insurance companies in india or if you are covered by your workplace you still don't get uh, like you aren't still insured if you are going to a mental health professional so that is on you go there mm-hmm. yeah so i was just waiting for that car to pass that engine made it sound like that guy has a maga sticker on its bumper or not this face right you know like so yeah so uh, if you are in india and you have to get help or uh, see a therapist or go get medicine me- mental health medication you won't be reimbursed by uh, your insurance provider which i think is really unseemly but there is no protocol for it and honestly speaking one of the things which i'm going to find out like in the next month or so is that uh, i am insured uh, by both my employer and i have my own health insurance and my health insurance i'm going to submit all the bills i have from going to therapy and either they might cut me off 
from insurance because they might say that going to a mental health professional is a pre-existing condition you didn't tell us about or they might reimburse me so we will find out i might email you guys to let you know how that pans out <laughs> but uh, yeah it is i think pretty cost prohibitive to go like to be seeing a, ther- a therapist regularly yeah. for a lot of people i think that like i have through my job i have health insurance that would allow me to go see a therapist for like 20 to 30 mm. bucks a session which you know i think for me is doable for about for if you would ask me five years ago if I could do that, yeah, the answer exactly. would have been definitely not. And I think that that is the answer for a lot of people in America. And if you're uninsured, they get paid like four hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. You know, like you can't. Yeah, if you're uninsured, if you're uninsured, it's right. not possible, <laughs> right? Now that you see it, for me, I think like I should have gotten help earlier. Like it's like we all wait for a like a near meltdown or to the point where we know we might have a meltdown before we go to therapy. And uh, for me, three to five years ago, the idea of paying for therapy every two weeks would have been unrealistic. I would have been like, nope, I might meditate a little more. I might like work out more and that might help me like, you know, sleep better or that might help me calm down or something. Well, what motivated you to finally go to therapy? Because you said you've been going for a while now, right? Yeah, it's been like seven months now, so to speak. Yeah. Not that long. I think one of the things was like... um, one of the things I resolved to do this year was to be more responsible and uh, also like hopefully like find a long-term partner and like, you know, do that, like just like find a long-term partner. And I realized I can't do that because I bring the same baggage to every relationship and it falls apart because of the same reasons pretty much so. And so I was like, no, I need to work on that. And one of the things was like, I have always had trouble sleeping since I was like 15 or something. And it was just like not getting better because uh, I guess due to the lockdown, we were all at home, right? So I guess we are all less exhausted now. And personally for me, like I have a three hour commute. And then after that, often I go do comedy. So I'm pretty burnt out by the time I get home. Like I also usually run around like uh, two to three miles every day. And like after all that, I still could not fall asleep. So this was me before the COVID-19 lockdown. So during the COVID-19 lockdown, I was like, okay nothing's really helping and I couldn't fall asleep and uh, I was also I mean I was generally aware that I'm anxious and I have some other mental health issues that I need to deal with so like you know what fuck it let's just do this like I can't keep being this person forever because that's not like a good thing for me are you doing it over the phone uh yeah I've never met her in person (laughs) so it's it's like uh, it's like making a friend on yahoo chat rooms if you guys remember (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or AOL for me that was yeah yeah AOL, instant messenger <laughs> yeah and then MSN. So it's a little like that yeah. um so talk to us about uh how you got into doing stand up comedy uh, okay so that's like a very uh I think I think part of it was both how do I say this like uh, so I was trying to get a job uh, in writing for a lot of comedy uh, YouTube channels here, which are like Funny or Die or uh, what's that other one? College Humor. So yeah, so I was trying to get a job in one of those places. And then I realized that uh, like I could get a job there and I would be good at it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to make someone else more successful, famous, and I'm going to help them make more money than I would ever make because I'll always be the writer and I would never be in front of the camera or I would never be the one who's doing that. And honestly speaking, somewhere I had the hankering that I could be good at comedy. So that's where it started. Like I really wanted to 
and i think that's also part of being on the spectrum you don't ever want to be in the spotlight directly like it, it because that would immediately mean that you would have to communicate with people and interact with people and that's like uh, that's like really bizarre to me like I, sometimes uh, there are these shows called crowd work shows where people don't do material they just talk to people uh, yeah and i do that and then people follow me on instagram and then they are like they like they think i'm the same person who was on stage so they are actually trying to have a conversation and it's like oh you don't talk much now and i'm like yeah of course this that's that's it's strictly in the confines of the stage like if you ask me how are you i'm like i'm doing good i hope you are well too and then they they then they feel like oh i'm not like literally having a conversation but i'm like no nope, like i just can't talk to you on stage offline no <laughs> like sorry hard pass mm-hmm. so what do you think that what do you think that distinction is for you the on stage versus off stage i think on stage uh, me is i think one of the things which i know most successful comics are able to do is be the same person on stage and off stage or at least seemingly blur the lines between those two people so i think on stage me is just more social because he is on stage he is open to talking to people he is curious about people like for me i think uh, like how do i say this like if uh, i have done some international zoom shows now where like you talk to people across uh, like you know Uh, across like the continents right so like uh, if i saw two of you on on like in a zoom show i'd be like oh, you guys have no idea we actually have a private chat for people who are not white and we hate all of you <laughs> so i would say something i would say something mildly mm-hmm. off color like that or i would be like more open to talking to people so i think like the on stage personality is uh, more social more keen on talking to people like how do i say this like uh, i would straight up ask you a question instead of uh, trying to figure out the story the off stage me is basically the person who is in the back of a room in a party or in a subway car and who is observing people and thinking of what their stories are inside his head the on stage me will straight up have that conversation without like any signs of inhibition so that's the main distinction like there's more honesty there's less fear and i i wouldn't necessarily call it fear but like uh, i think it's the role where i can i'm allowed to do that or i allow myself to do that when i go on stage does that make sense well so when you're on stage do you feel kind of like you're comfortable or do you feel like you're kind of pushing yourself out of your comfort it zone it goes both ways like i think like uh, so after this call i have another show and before this call i had a show so right now i'm like there like i wouldn't think twice but like i'm traveling the next couple of weeks and then when i go back on air my heart will beat a little faster i would be a little nervous and then i'll do it and uh, then i would like you know uh, i would be i'd be more nervous and sometimes when i really really like i crash really hard i'm like yeah well you are someone on the spectrum you're not supposed to be doing this on the first place like this is this is not your place you're not supposed to be on there telling jokes and like <laughs> the self hate is very uh, uh asd driven so to speak and i think like in retrospect one of the reasons why i want to do this more is because i want to make it normal for people who are on the spectrum because i legit didn't have anyone uh, like there's hanna gadsby now and but there, there aren't like too many comics who are on the spectrum or who openly identify themselves being on the spectrum talking about it so i think that's good and it's how do i say this like i think uh, i've seen some comedy central stand up videos where they joke about being on the spectrum and not even great jokes like i can respect it. like oh wow there's some artistry to this or there's there's some creativity but jokes like 
I want her to think I'm artistic, but she thinks I'm autistic. And I'm like, come on, like try harder. You're on Comedy Central. Like you, you, like, you know, so one of the things I want to do is that like, for like, how do I say this? There, there are not enough role models for, I don't mean to say I want to be a role model, but I want to normalize that people on the spectrum do things which aren't cliches. And one of the things which I think is very fascinating about people on the spectrum is that the way female uh, autism spectrum, I wouldn't want to say patients per se, but like if you are a woman and you are on the spectrum, there are chances uh, of you not being diagnosed like way higher because the way women show it is very different from the way guys show it. And it's, 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 it's really bizarre. And one of the things which I heard someone joke about is that well, women aren't generally very good at math. So people just assume that autism is not very common in women. And I'm like, that's a little sexist, but it is true. Like, you know, how a very sexist thing can become a truism or a cliche and then like it's easily accepted in the society. So that tends to happen too. Like uh, a lot of women who are on the spectrum are never diagnosed because the symptoms are really, really uh, spare. They aren't very obvious. Well, I feel like it's the kind of thing where I I feel like I hear this all the time with respect to other non-mental health related things where like, for example, when women are having heart attacks, it looks completely different from when men are having heart attacks and stuff like that. Right. And like even basic things like, you know, when you look on a nutrition label, those are all standardized for a male diet. Like they're never even standardized for like female diets and stuff like that. And so like there's so many different ways in which a lot of what we consider to be like the normal Mm. like symptoms of a particular disease or like stuff like that is like really only for men. And so I feel like there's like both that phenomenon going on and just combine that with the fact that we already don't know very much about mental health generally that it's it's definitely going to result in this just complete lack of like knowledge and awareness about about that right and honestly speaking what happens with people on the spectrum is that they if they aren't diagnosed properly if they aren't given proper treatment then uh, it's harder for them to like be a be a part of society or to grow up normally because they didn't get that care and attention they needed at the start and for me personally it's a little bit annoying because like I feel like uh, my parents or my teachers or the system kind of never picked on it and it's 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 a little uh, how do I say this like I'm pretty sure like uh, being on the spectrum for me personally I think it is hard for me to be in relationships because of certain things I do but if and I think uh, if most people were aware that I was on the spectrum maybe they would have treated me differently I guess I, I won't find out right now because you can't date anyone thanks to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's something that changes. And like, uh, I think if you were aware of it, then you could work on it. And I felt like I suffered unnecessarily because I just wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times there are, especially in our school systems, right? There are probably some pretty easy modifications that people could make to better accommodate um, kids with, you know, various uh mental health conditions but yeah we're not productive at diagnosing or like we're not you know we ignore science or we're not you know we're not making it possible or providing the capacity to provide support but also i feel like even on a on a deeper level than that schools aren't even really designed for even normal kids to be able to function well right because so many you know how like there's this phenomenon where so many kids are getting diagnosed with adhd but it's just like 
they're just being normal kids. It's just that we as a society are expecting them to be able to sit down and focus for hours at a time, which is just not something a kid can really do, right? So I feel like it's yeah. also a, a function of what are we expecting normal to actually look like, yeah. right? And is that actually a realistic expectation? Well, thank you so much, Adobe, yeah. for sitting down with us for a couple of minutes. Um, my closing question to all of my guests in the pandemic yeah. have been, um, what have you been doing to try and cope in these weird-ass pandemic lockdown oh, times? Oh, that's so... I mean, that's the thing. I haven't been coping well. That's why I started going to... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I suggest if you haven't ever spoken to a mental health professional, give that a try because you might find a therapist that's good for you and that is always like a big win that could come from this pandemic other than that uh, i have been writing more regularly performing regularly i'm not zoom so it's not the same mm -hmm. thing like sometimes you crack a joke and then you're buffering and it really really ruins your punchline so i've been doing that but uh, yeah. yeah, I've been meditating far more regularly and uh, that kind of helps with the anxiety and it helps with focusing. So mm -hmm. I would recommend that I use Headspace. You don't need to use a app, but uh, you can just do it on your own. But Headspace is really nice. So yeah, yeah I guess uh, they should sponsor you guys now, now that I have given them a plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll contact them and see if yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. with us. Just, like, <laughs> like, just um, throw in the coupon code too, like, you know, preemptively. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll make it with <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Cool. Is there, before we get out of here, is there anything that you want to plug? Anything that you want people to check out? I know that you didn't want, uh, you know, you might want, not want, not want employers to see this. I, I mean, I, my employers would be very cool with it. Like uh, the senior management would honestly be very proud of the fact that uh, someone who's leading part of their communications team is actually neuroatypical. It's just that like other people aren't that open. So like my own manager, my senior management, yeah. the founders of the company would be more than happy that I went to therapy and I found out. It's just that other people you deal with, you know, on a, uh, how do I say, on a day-to-day -day basis who might immediately assume that if I'm angry at them one day and I lash out on a conference call, they would think, oh, that's just someone on the spectrum. And it's like, no, you are being really, really stupid <laughs> with that particular project. So right. that's the concern. But like if uh, people are keen on like talking to me some more, if someone on the spectrum wants to talk to me, then uh, I am udha.parab on Instagram. Like I think if they heard this far, then they wouldn't want to do some malice to me, so to speak. Like, you know, this would be a 20 to 30 yeah. minute conversation, right? So I think if they heard this far, they earned the right to find my uh, last name, it's Uddhav, U W D H A V dot P A R A B. That's Parab, like a P before uh, Arab, so to speak, on Instagram. So, yeah, you can find me there. Also, I feel like the India kind of comedy community is probably not our core demographic of listeners. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, once you guys put the episode out, I'll share it. Like, you know, so that would be cool. Yeah. Cool. Great. Cool. And uh, if you liked what you heard um, and you really liked it enough, then hit us and hit him. Um, you can hit us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Gmail, our Twitter, and our Instagram. Otherwise, bye everyone.